listen to them. Children of the night. What music they make. There are things that go bump in the night, and we are the ones who bump back. Somewhere in the cosmos, perhaps, intelligent life may be watching these lights of ours, aware of what they mean. Or do our lights wander a lifeless cosmos? I couldn't help but one point in my discussions with General Secretary Gorbachev. I couldn't help but say to him, just think how easy his task and mine might be in these meetings that we held. If suddenly there was a threat to this world, from another planet outside in the universe. Well, I don't suppose we can wait for some alien race to come down and threaten us, but I think that between us, we can bring about that realization. Good evening, Crypt Keepers. Good evening and welcome to Season 2, Episode 8 of Cryptique. Tonight, with me as always, is Ryan, here to be the yin to my yang. How are you doing? I'm good. Is yin bad? Is he in the dark side? I think so. Okay, yeah, then that's fitting. Yeah. I'm feeling so, a little dark. <laughs> <laughs> me too. Uh, we want to remind you to subscribe, like, follow, etc., and send case suggestions to crypticpodcast at gmail.com. Don't forget to check out Movie Howl and Exploring Evil. And if you live in the St. Louis area, go check out The Loading Bar. You can get drinks, you can play games, and you can bring your own food. Bring a sirloin in. That's what there I do. There you go. Make everybody Swing jealous. by a steakhouse, bring that in, get you a nice uh, old scotch and play some video games. <laughs> Some what's get some like? Don't you have a mixed drink that's like thirty-year-old Scotch and Red Bull? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that would upset some people. <laughs> I think so. All right. Well, that's enough of the business. What are we discussing tonight? Tonight we are discussing Polybius. Is that how you pronounce it? Polybius. I haven't heard, absolutely. I haven't heard it said. Okay. Polybius is an urban legend. Concerning a fictitious 1981 arcade game, so very allegedly fitting. fictitious. <laughs> allegedly, uh, the legend describes the game as part of a government-run, crowdsourced psychology experiment based in Portland, Oregon. Gameplay supposedly produced intense psychoactive and addictive effects in the players. These few publicly staged arcade machines were said to have been visited periodically by men in black for the purpose of data mining the machines and analyzing these effects. Allegedly, all of these Polybius arcade machines disappeared from the arcade market. The urban legend has persisted as a topic of interest for video games journalism and through continued interest it has served as inspiration for free and commercial video games by the same name. The story tells of an unheard of new arcade game appearing in several suburbs of Portland, Oregon in 1981. This would have been something of a rarity at the time. So before the, we go on, um, the video games, uh, I guess, gained popularity in the late 70s because it was pretty much all pinball before that, right? So this would have been one of the newer games out. Yeah, you you got... Um, 
what breakout from 76 asteroid 79 i think miss pac-man was either 80 or 81 somewhere so it's in there so right this was the genesis yeah this is kind of just when it's getting big cool the game is described as proving popular to the point of addiction with lines forming around the machines often resulting in fights over who would play next so they didn't have their system of you put your quarter down <laughs> right the legend describes how the machines were visited by men in black who collected unknown data from the machines, allegedly testing responses to the game's psychoactive effects. Which makes sense. Mm-hmm. I mean, it makes sense that this this would be a, a good way to try and collect you know, data from people. But this would have been kind of the beginning of you know, collecting information through technology. And I don't know, I, I think that... Um, one of the things that kind of lends credence to this just being an urban legend is that men in black came to collect the information because there would that would to me would be stupid you would just send someone who looks totally normal and be like oh the machine you know needs you know a new circuit board or a new fuse or something like that and then they collect the information there'd be no reason to send someone who you know, looks like an evil person to get the data that it had uh, stored or whatever. Right. It would be much less conspicuous to have the guy who just empties the quarters out of it, Mm -hmm. take whatever they need to take out of it as well. I mean, the people who would be doing this aren't stupid. They wouldn't send guys in that, you know, are wearing tight black suits with black sunglasses and black fedoras and you know this ominous sight to or these you know this ominous sight of these two people because men in black always come in twos right so sending uh sending these people in to collect the data would definitely uh, set off alarm bells yeah yeah it's an odd thing to do yeah when you're talking about um data collection i mean i this is kind of a different thing this is more like I mean, this is seemingly like how to manipulate people in yeah. a way that I, I think maybe we're getting into now. The data collection that's going on now is to help, generally, it's to help target ads. You know, so for instance, we have Google ad campaigns going for the bar. Mm-hmm. So if you're somebody who's Googling, you know, arcades, bars, you know, mixed drinks, cocktails, stuff like that, it, it'll pop up if you're doing that within a certain area. Mm hmm. And, you know, and that makes sense. Right. And the things that people are worried about is when you have analysis, uh, like that is one thing, you know, having it go, oh, you're looking for this. Here's some stuff that might be applicable mm-hmm. or Google telling me as somebody who wants to advertise like, hey, we have people that search this stuff, you know, pay us a little money and we'll make sure your thing shows to them. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. People are worried about when it's like their personal texts showing up. And I, right. I don't think for the most part that that many people are so worried about like Google collecting your data or Apple or whoever else. And just like having it Mm -hmm. when it gets weird is when you realize that people have access to it. Yeah. Like most people, when they start thinking about that, they get freaked out. You know, it's like, Mm -hmm. yeah, people are listening to probably, I mean, I'm sure they're not listening to all of them, but every once in a while, one of your requests, like when you're telling your, echo to turn your light on or off or something like that there might be somebody in a data center somewhere listening to that 
right. just you know after the fact to be like okay we just saw this random echo with a random identifier do this and here's the audio that it heard was this the right thing to do mm-hmm. but then you hear situations where that gets abused and sometimes that data is linked back to a person and that's where it gets really scary and it is also scary to think of you know the way games are being designed now to be so addictive mm-hmm. and to keep people just pumping money into them i mean some of these mobile games nowadays are almost as bad as like slot machines mm-hmm. except nothing ever comes back out of them right you know with a slot you've got like a one in i mean it's minuscule like a one in 50 chance i don't know of winning something i don't i don't know what the odds actually are yeah they're not great right you don't usually the house come out always ahead. wins yeah, you might win something back. If you put in 60, you might get 20 back or something. But, yeah. I mean, anyway, so this this is interesting in that games now have become really instrumental in figuring out how to influence people's behavior. Mm-hmm. And a lot of data collection in the last 20 or 30 years has been about figuring out behavior, you know, figuring yeah. out how to accurately, you know, you're no longer taking risks and just like blasting ads out and trying, you know, hoping that people show up like you're mm-hmm. trying to, to use like a probability model to figure out what people are actually going to do. Yeah. yeah. So, and these, these games nowadays also are desensitizing people to violence. And, and I don't, you know what I shouldn't even see, say nowadays, it's just that, they've become so realistic that what you see in the video game would be very similar to what you would see on the battlefield or in Grand Theft Auto or whatever and mm-hmm. the thing that bothers me and I don't I don't play home video games like yeah it's cool to go to an arcade and you know play Mortal Kombat and see if you remember the secret moves or whatever but the kind of sad part about uh, video games nowadays and, and what will soon be the metaverse is that you, and I'm sure you've all experienced where, you know, you play a video game and you're like, damn, I've been playing for an hour and 45 minutes. It, it feels like it's been like 10, 15 minutes and it kind of lets them escape which can be a good thing. But then I hear all these stories about people playing Call of Duty for like 28 hours straight. And when you're doing that, you're neglecting your health. Uh, you're neglecting things that need to be, you know, done in your house. You're, you're neglecting to pay attention to what's going on in your world, which makes you an easy victim. Mm-hmm. But anyway, go ahead. Yeah, it was quite a, a rant by me. Oh, me too. But yeah, it, it's just a topic that's that bugs me. Mm-hmm. It bugs me that they've gotten so good at influencing what people do. And this, I mean, the the idea that this could be the start of that is really uh, plausible. Mm-hmm. So the legend describes how the machines were visited by men in black who collected unknown data from the machines, allegedly testing responses to the game's psychoactive effects. That might actually be where I ended. Either way. Players supposedly suffered from a series of unpleasant side effects, including seizures, amnesia, insomnia, night terrors, and hallucinations. Approximately one month after its supposed release in 1981, Polybius is said to have disappeared without a trace. The company named in most accounts of the game is Zinnis Lotion. The word is described by writer Brian Dunning as being German, 
but constructed outside the norms of the German language and grammar, meaning sense delete or sensory deprivation. The word's meanings are derived from the German words sinne or senses and lotion to extinguish or to delete, though the way they are combined is not standard German. Historians and journalists studying the urban legend note further the name of the purported archaic game itself, Polybius, is also the name of a classical Greek historian born in Arcadia and known for his assertion that historians should never report what they cannot verify through interviews with eyewitnesses. All right, so let's talk about the origins. Due to the viral and anecdotal nature of the legend, an exact origin is unclear. Some anecdotal accounts claim that the legend originated on Usenet circa 1994 or earlier through offline word of mouth, though no recorded evidence exists for either claim. The earliest confirmed record of the legend is an entry for the title added to arcade game resource coinop.org on February 6, 2000. Although coinop.org lists the page as originating in 1998, Journalist Stuart Brown states that it appears to have defaulted to that time due to a database error caused by a lack of input. Um, it, it should be said that I couldn't find any descriptions of what the game actually is. So we're being told that there's an arcade box, you know, the old type arcade games with the screen and the joystick or whatever that says Polybius on it that collects this information or intentionally tries to, you know, mess with your senses or your mind or whatever, but there's no actual record of like, you go, you play this game and the first level, you know, you're going through a maze and the second level you're playing Pong or something like that. So we don't really have any record of what the game is so that leaves a lot open to interpretation and a lot open to uh, imagination and those are two key elements of any urban legend right and and it is worth noting that arcade games are very well documented even though in a lot of cases you know there might have only been you know everybody knows you know pac-man miss pac-man stuff like that those are some of the most produced games ever made there are a lot of other games that only maybe a couple thousand cabinets were ever made and very few of them survived Mm -hmm. you know i have one at loading bar called moon shuttle and According to a lot of these like arcade collector sites, you have maybe a one in 100 chance of running into one of these. Mm-hmm. There just were not a lot of them. They were made in Japan. Just not a ton of them made it over here. Not a lot of them, you know, survived. Mm-hmm. But they still had tons of information about it. You know, yeah. I still knew how much power it was going to draw. I knew, right. you know, what the level design was like. So the fact that there's nothing on this is uh, suspicious, if not just telling. You, you bring up a good point. I mean, everything is documented because there are so many people that are rabid collectors and rabid players that this is a thing for them. Some people collect baseball cards. Some people collect, um, I don't know, you know, precious moment statues or whatever. And some people (laughs) collect video games and they are very uh, in tune with the market and and what's been put out there in the history you know of arcade games so Mm -hmm. it's not something that 
you know, there's only a few experts on out there or something like that. There's a lot of experts out there. The entry mentions the name Polybius and a copyright date of 1981, although no such copyright has ever been registered. I didn't go back and look for a copyright on it because I, you know, take this article's word for it, honestly, because if it was a government experiment, there's not going to be a copyright for it. There'd be no need. The author of the entry claims in the description to be in possession of a ROM image of the game and to have extracted fragments of text from it, including 1981 Sinislosion. The remainder of the information about the game is listed as unknown and its quote about the game section describes the quote bizarre rumors that make up the legend. Sometime prior to September 2003, Kurt Kohler, owner of CoinOp.org, submitted a message to the American video game magazine GamePro about Polybius. Polybius then appeared in the September 2003 issue of GamePro as part of a feature story on video games called, quote, Secrets and Lies. This is the first known printed mention of the game exposing the legend to a mass market audience. The article declared the existence of the game to be inconclusive, helping to both spark curiosity and spread the story. Following the appearance in GamePro magazine, a number of people claimed to have some involvement with Polybius. In 2006, a man named Stephen Roach claimed he had been one of its original programmers and that his company developed a game with very intense and cutting-edge graphics. 1981 cutting-edge graphics are not going to trick somebody into thinking that they're in a real situation or anything. I mean, if you're talking cutting-edge graphics for video games, what are we talking, 16-bit? Yeah, not even. 8-bit wouldn't have even been around back... Well, yeah, I guess early 8-bit in arcades, really. Because a lot of the game, like, like, um, this is probably too technical, but, you know, Asteroids... Mm-hmm. is a game that visually holds up and that's vector graphics <clears throat> meaning it's mean? not using it doesn't use uh my understanding you know which which could be flawed is that it doesn't use like a pre-rendered sprite or a you know a character a thing that appears on screen you know there's mm-hmm. no you know like Mario right there are like pre-made uh frames for Mario mm-hmm. in the old games with vector graphics, like a vector image on a computer, it's not an image file. It's more like instructions. Like, okay. you know, your ship is not a triangle that's pre-rendered. It's an instruction to the computer to draw a triangle. Okay. You know, the asteroids are not pictures of asteroids. It's, it's an instruction on how to make, mm-hmm. how to draw it, which is, you know, why vector images scale very well. And it was one of the early ways to get those graphics to show up well, despite the lack of memory and storage and things like that mm. on on a lot of these games. So, yeah, here, I mean, you're at this time, we're just getting past the phase where it's like just lines, mm-hmm. just lines that are being drawn in black and white. I mean, even Breakout wasn't a color screen. It had a color overlay. There was like a color film to make mm. the different layers of the bricks that you were breaking. It's like some of them were white because the screen was black and white. Some of them were green. Some of them were whatever else. And it's because there was just a film. So you're just looking at it through a green film. (laughs) Weird. That was the kind of stuff they were doing back then because of their cutting edge graphics (laughs) in the the late 70s. 
Well, according to Roach, a boy experienced an epileptic seizure while playing and the cabinets were withdrawn by the company in a panic. Video games, as we know, have a lot of flashing lights and sounds and things like that, which could cause an epileptic seizure. And we see warnings now. Uh, if you're if you're watching a show, normally, like the top left corner or whatever, it will say, you know, TV 14, and it'll say, you know, smoking, cursing, violence, whatever. And a lot of them will also give the uh, disclaimer of flashing lights. And if you're sensitive or have epilepsy, that you may want to avoid at least that scene because it could trigger a seizure. But I would think that unless it's directly intended to cause a seizure, that that could happen with almost any video game. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and back in the day, games were programmed by a lot. I mean, it wasn't like today. Yeah. You're not doing like Red Dead 2, where you have hundreds of people working for years on it. True. You know, it's, it's a couple people, so it is possible for that to happen just by accident because nobody with a sensitivity to it ever came into contact with it until it went out in the market. Right, absolutely. So Roach offered no proof for his claims. His story added details on gameplay that later inspired Rogue Synapse's game based on the legend. And we'll find out more after the break. Hey, my name is Ryan. And I'm pretty sure I'm Joe. And we are the hosts of Movie Hell, a podcast all about movies and pop culture. We're two buddies who talk about this stuff anyway and wanted to share our own madness with all of you. Yeah, we have these discussions anyway and rant and rave about movies, TV, and pop culture in general, so why not share it? The objective of Movie Howl is to bring you reviews and discussions of flops to avoid, new stuff to see, and hidden gems that might end up being your new favorite. Whether you're looking for that perfect movie for Friday night or wondering if anybody else found Mr. Nobody as unsettling as you did, I'm sure there's something for everyone to enjoy, and if not, let us know and we can always learn and improve. Ah, boy, do we have room to improve. You can listen to Movie How on Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, Overcast, and pretty much anywhere else fine podcasts are curated. There's something going on here. Something evil. Do you love true crime? Can't get enough? You need to check out Exploring Evil, the true crime podcast that covers lesser-known and international serial killers, bizarre murders, and murders with a paranormal twist. Did you know there was a serial killer who only killed murderers and pedophiles? The real-life Dexter is covered in a recent episode of Exploring Evil. You can find Exploring Evil on your favorite podcast platform. Welcome back to Cryptique. Alright, the alleged original Polybius arcade game has not been proven to exist. Snopes.com, a popular website cataloging urban legends, concludes the game is a modern-day version of 1980s rumors of men in black. In this case, visiting arcades and taking down the names of high scorers at arcades. There doesn't seem to be a legit reason that this would all be covered up. But it also, sometimes they throw things in to make things sound totally implausible, like saying, oh, it's a men in black rumor. And then everyone who, you know, hears 
about that is going to be like, oh, it's just total bullshit. It's just totally made up. So right, it's uh, what's what's the term for that? No, it's like a thought canceling cliche or something. Oh like yeah, I forget yeah, what yeah. the actual term is. It's like it's like saying oh UFO. It's like using the word UFO. Yeah, it's like yeah, it's probably something like maybe what you saw as a drone or what you know. And when I mm-hmm. say drone, I mean like a kid got a DJI whatever, right? And they're flying it around like that is a UFO if you don't know what it is. But calling it a UFO, a lot of people are going to go, oh, you're just... They tune out. Yeah. You're smoking the devil's lettuce, as one of my employees said recently. (laughs) She asked somebody that, and it's like, oh my god, you're like 21. Why are you talking like that? Right. Like, these, (laughs) everybody who has seen this game, uh, you know, had a uh, cocktail, and it just implanted this fake memory in their head that is completely made up just like the people that have a few beers and uh, think ball lightning is attacking them or have a few beers and see a Sasquatch you know we this is kind of like a running theme for cryptique that alcohol leads to complete psychosis and yeah. hallucinations but yeah. anyway I mean there are a lot of people who just lie for whatever reason they just like attention or whatever like uh-huh. i remember hanging out at denny's during college and this guy came in one night and was talking to me and some me and some of my buddies were just playing cards like we, we had you know met up there to do homework and whatever and we were just playing cards afterwards uh-huh. and this guy who's not that much older than us started talking to us and he's just telling us all these stories about how much money he makes and all the stuff that he does uh-huh. and blah 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 and one of the waitresses comes over and she's like are you guys okay like was that guy bothering you and I'm like no nah, he's fine like he's telling us a lot of stuff and she's like yeah that guy's full of shit mm-hmm. like he says he drives a ferrari he drives like an 89 honda you know it's he well, for his daily driver <laughs> yeah to say to save miles uh yeah she was like nah he he has a different story every time like mm-hmm. none of it ever matches up like he drives a totally like normal car mm-hmm. he you know none of these people that he talks about ever show up with a mirror it's like he's just full of shit he just likes to you know act like a big shot with people who don't know yeah you know and that could definitely be the case with this too you know one person hears about this and they're like oh yeah that sounds cool let's perpetuate that so yeah this led to the hypothesis that the government was hosting some sort of experiment and sending subliminal messages to the players Magazines at the time period dedicated to electronic gaming make no mention of Polybius, and mainstream news also fails to note such a game. While a number of mock-up cabinets and games inspired by the myth do exist, no authentic cabinets or ROM dumps have ever been documented. So and a just ROM to... dump, well, just a technical side note, a ROM dump, probably most folks listening would know what this is. It's just literally taking whatever was on those read-only memory ROM chips on these mm-hmm. games and dumping it onto another system. Mm-hmm. It's basically how emulators work. You use something to pull data off of old game cartridges or old game boards and then you use an emulator to emulate that hardware and you just kind of plug this file into it and you can play it virtually. You can emulate it. You can create reproductions. So is that um, why you can uh, like they have basically what looks like an old Nintendo controller you plug into your TV and it's got 30 games on it? Yep. Yep, okay. Same thing. 
Ben Silverman of Yahoo Games remarked, Unfortunately, there is no evidence that the game ever existed, no less turned its users into babbling lunatics. Still, Polybius has enjoyed a cult-like status as a throwback to a more technologically paranoid era. But that's kind of a weird statement, because I think we're more yeah. technically or technologically paranoid now than ever. And well, it's probably th- just going to keep getting worse. I think it's one of those things where people were paranoid about technology in general just because they didn't understand what it was or what it mm. did. You know, I... God, what was it? Like, War Games or something like that? The the I think there's a line in it where the mom is like, oh, you, you know, uh, that computer's going to blow up someday. I don't even know what that yeah. thing does. Like, you know, people were just... Or you'll go blind uh, if you sit close to the TV. Yeah, and now my fiancé falls asleep every night watching, like, Travel Channel on her iPhone two inches mm. away from her face. Yeah, I mean, I'm not saying that's good for her eyes, but yeah. it's kind of the way we're the way we're moving. We have VR headsets that sit with a screen inches in front of your eyes now. Right. Different, different technology, but anyway, yeah, I think it's just one of those things of people not knowing how this stuff works or like what it's supposed to do. Skeptics and researchers have differing ideas on how and why the story of Polybius came about. American producer and author Brian Dunning, who we mentioned before, believes Polybius to be an urban legend that grew out of a mixture of influences in the 1980s. He notes that two players fell ill in Portland on the same day in 1981, one collapsing with a migraine headache after playing Tempest, and another suffering from stomach pain after playing Asteroids for 28 hours in a film attempt to break a world record at the same arcade. So, (laughs) that is rough. I am hooked on Asteroids. So is one of my bartenders. Like, he's admitted it's becoming a problem. <laughs> nice. <laughs> Whenever there's nobody in or he has a chance, he runs over and plays it. But, yeah, mm-hmm. 28 hours. I mean, yeah. after I get smashed, you know, what, three or four times, I'm done. Yeah. And I'm not that good, so it doesn't take that long for that to happen. <laughs> I cannot imagine standing in front of one of these cabinets for 28 hours. Right. Dunning records that the Federal Bureau of Investigation raided several video arcades in the area just 10 days later where the owners were suspected of using the machines for gambling, and the lead-up to the raid involved FBI agents monitoring arcade cabinets for signs of tampering and recording high scores. So, something that could, you know, explain the less-than-subtle data collection methods we were talking about before. Sure. Dunning suggests that these two events were combined in an urban legend about government-monitored arcade machines making players ill. He believes that such a myth must have been established by 1984 and that it influenced the plot of the film The Last Starfighter, in which a teenager is recruited by aliens who monitor him playing a covertly developed arcade game. And that's not the only thing that's like that. There are other... This has happened before. You know, um, there was a Stargate series a couple years ago, Stargate Universe, Mm -hmm. that starts off you know you're kind of every man who gets you into the series because they pretty much they pretty well separated it from the other stargate shows mm-hmm. um the initial character is playing a game like a world of warcraft type you know mmo thing mm-hmm. and he's on to this mystery and he's trying to solve this thing and he's doing all this math and he solves this problem and the game just it just kicks him back to the main menu mm-hmm. like he's on with his friend he's like i figured it out i figured it out you know, kicks him back to the main menu and he's like, oh man, nothing happens. And the guy's like, yeah, it was just like an engineer's joke. Mm. Like nothing was going to happen. The next day, the U.S. Air Force shows up and mm. they're like, yeah, we embedded this cipher in this game to see who could solve it. So you've won something of a prize. Like you're yeah. coming with us now. 
Right. Your prize is uh, being detained until we figure out how to use your brain to do nefarious things. <laughs> yeah. 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 <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, that's a recurring. It seems to be a recurring thing, mm. like figuring out that somebody's good at something that way. Dunning considers Sinus Lotion. Am I saying that the same Zinus way? Lotion. Zinus Lotion. I'm going to leave. Let's leave that in. <laughs> okay. To be the kind of name that a non-German speaker would generate if they tried to create a compound word using an English to German dictionary. So makes sense. I can see, yeah, I can see that. Yeah. Internet writer Patrick Kellogg believes that players claiming to remember having played or seen Polybius as early as the 1980s may actually be recalling a video game called Cube Quest. Cube Quest, released in arcades in 1983, is a shooting game which played from a laser disc. Pretty advanced stuff. Yeah. Kellogg describes its visuals as revolutionary and far ahead of typical games at the time. He states that the game would be frequently visited for maintenance due to frequent breakdowns of the Laserdisc players in the games and was often removed from arcades after a short time for the same reason. British filmmaker and video game journalist Stuart Brown concludes that the Polybius legend began no earlier than 2000, arguing against the purported 1980s origin for the myth. In his review of the legend's history, Brown states his conclusion that the Polybius story began as an intentional hoax in 2000 by Kurt Kohler, owner of CoinOp.org, in order to drive traffic to his site. Smart. Yeah. Brown states that he did not find any evidence of the Polybius myth existing until the year 2000, the same year Brown concludes marked the first appearance of the Polybius article on Kohler's site. In Brown's view, the frequently cited 1980s origin of the myth was an invented aspect written into the coinop.org description of the legend to make Kohler's hoax more convincing. Brown further theorizes that people recalling discussions of Polybius on Usenet in 1994 were misremembering articles on the Pink Floyd-related Publius Enigma puzzle. Per Brown, the Polybius hoax capitalized on the popularity of conspiracy theories and the highly viral nature of other internet hoaxes in or just before the year 2000. Brown also notes striking similarities between the fonts used on the supposed title screen provided by the image on coinop.org in 2000 and those used for two Williams Electronics arcade video games, Bubbles and Robotron 2084. He concludes that the five pixel test used for the credit counter is similar to that of Robotron 2084 and that the font that reads Zenith Lotion is almost identical to that of Bubbles, with the only differences the appearance of the O and the mirror image reversal of the H along the central vertical axis. Brown states that this could be the work of a copycat fan of Williams Electronics. Both Bubbles and Robotron 2084 were made by Williams, and both were released only a year later than when Polybius was said to have first appeared. Interesting. So, I don't know. Sometimes people look for the most obvious answer. Would you say this is Occam's Razor? Uh, yeah, Occam's Razor, um, to my understanding... Like, like what people say is the simplest explanation is usually right. Mm -hmm. I think the more accurate definition of it is the explanation requiring the least number of variables mm -hmm. is usually correct. Sure. So <clears throat> well, that seems like a lot of variables they're throwing out there. Right, right. Exactly. It's like, so a really simple version of it is. You know, there was a storm last night. You woke up this morning and there's a tree down in your backyard, right? Mm -hmm. One explanation is it was something to do with the storm, lightning, right. wind. Another explanation is 
the storm scared a Bigfoot that knocked the tree down. Right. <laughs> the the variable that you're adding there is you have to, or I guess variable is not quite the right term. The, the least number of assumptions. You would have to operate under the assumption that Bigfoots are real. Bigfeet? Sasquatches are real. Mm-hmm. And that they're frightened by storms and that they're capable of knocking a tree down. And that they're in your backyard. And that they're, that they're just chilling in your backyard because <laughs> you're making some like fire barbecue and you have to leave some out that night and they're just, right. they're just chilling. <laughs> that being said, I totally believe in Bigfoot. So just so you guys know where I stand on it, I wouldn't think that he knocked a tree down in my yard. But um, personally, I'm not knocking the uh, existence of Bigfoot. So No, neither am I. Yeah, there's all. I mean, there's so much weird stuff out there. I feel like we spend a lot of time debunking these stories mm-hmm. or being like, that's BS. That's B-. but like, I believe in a lot of this stuff and as right. technical as I am. And as kind of logical as I like to be, I've experienced a lot of weird stuff in my life too. Mm-hmm. So, well, I definitely believe there's things we can't explain. I mean, totally. I think that's been proven time and time and again. I, and we, part of our job here, we don't want to, just be the person who's like oh every conspiracy theory ever is 100 percent true we want to try and uh shed light on things so you guys can make your own decision so we we're going to bring up the pros and the cons for each topic because that's in my opinion how you actually get to the truth Mm mm-hmm and I, I don't know about Polybius, mm-hmm. but I would be surprised for about one second if if there was some declassified or leaked document saying that something like this really did happen. Mm-hmm. Well, I think something like this has happened, did happen. Yeah. Not sure it's Polybius, not sure it was 1981, whatever, but I'm sure something similar to this has happened in that kind of leads credence or lends credence to this being a possibility right and then the the time period for it Mm -hmm. you know early 80s you know this stuff existed games came and went a lot of people were trying to get in on it there were a lot of games that were produced in low volumes or that didn't work out right yeah i mean there were even machines released that i I watched this this video on them a while ago like kind of these weird technologies that came and went Mm -hmm. and there was uh there was it was essentially like an arcade machine, but it was, um, I'm trying to think of the right word for it. It, It's more of just like an experience. Like there were machines like that back in the day. There were like stereoscopes and things like that, or where you Mm -hmm. could watch like little film film reels, like way back in the day. Mm -hmm. It was sort of like those more than an arcade cabinet, but you could like smell whatever was happening in it. Like that was Mm -hmm. the big gimmick, which is super weird, but well, there's just all this stuff. Yeah, there's just all this stuff that pops up. These like weird experiments that people try for a little while. They build a couple of these machines, put them out. They work or they don't, or they collect whatever right. data they're going to collect from them. Like, yeah, this is a thing that we can implement in another machine. So, the idea well, of something like this happening for the purposes of testing people's behaviors and trying to like induce some sort of addiction mm-hmm. is totally plausible. And the time period means that if people are talking about it online, like online being kind of a loose way of referring to it it's mm-hmm. probably through usenet or like 
bulletin board systems back in the day that you would dial into that were not part of like the internet. It would just be you use your old school computer's modem to dial a phone number to get into the system and post messages about it. And whenever that system, that computer goes down, that's gone. Mm -hmm. So, well, you would also, I mean, any smart businessman or woman is not going to they're they're not going to see it like say polybius is totally innocent you know it's a a fun puzzle game we'll just say that now are you going to make you know three hundred thousand of those games and send them to every arcade in the world or are you going to make three or four or five or six put them in you know strategic places like hey this arcade is the most popular arcade in portland let's see how our machine does there let's see how our machine does you know in you know this arcade in vegas and this arcade in miami you're going to send out you know a few before you spend all that money and you end up with you know i don't know 10,000 cabinets that nobody wants at all and you just wasted all your money making all those you know arcade games right all right let's talk about video games inspired by the urban legend i'm actually looking at miss pac-man information right now i'm I'm just curious i was trying to see how many we we keep talking about this i was trying to see how many of these were made if i can Mm -hmm. find out but i can see that with miss pac-man in particular uh arcademuseum.com says that it's a 100 on a scale of 100 meaning the most often seen Mm-hmm. And it's saying that there are about 3,600 examples for sale right now, mm-hmm. you know, as of 2022, where when I was looking at uh, Moon Shuttle, the game that I mentioned earlier from Nishibitsu. Mitsubishi? I'm probably, no, I'm probably butchering the name. But, you know, it's it's a fun game. I like it a lot. I ran into it, never had seen it before. And... uh yeah, it's oh, it's actually a six now. So maybe some more examples have popped up. But yeah, it's showing very, very uncommon. And they probably made a lot more games, you know, back in the '80s because people didn't have home systems until, you know, a little bit later on in the '80s. You know, with uh, Atari or or whatever. Uh, so there were probably more made back then. But point being that you're not just going to you're going to test market things. Right, right. Yeah. They're saying, like, if you encounter 100 Miss Pac-Man today, or, Ms. yeah, whatever, you're going to encounter six of these things. They're just, there's so many that were made in very, very small quantities. Or like the Laserdisc one. They're like these weird experimental ones that just don't work out. Yeah. So some of the video games inspired by the urban legend are Polybius for PC in 2007 uh, was... In 2007, PC freeware developers and arcade constructors Rogue Synapse registered the domain Zinoslosion.com and offered a free downloadable game titled Polybius for PC. Smart, because if you have an urban legend like this, why not capitalize on it and make, you know, you could take a game you'd already been developing and just call it Polybius because it's got that, um, like brand recognition almost. Yeah, The game's design is partly based on a contested description of the Polybius arcade machine posted on a forum by an individual named Stephen Roach, whom we referred to earlier. 
and he had claimed to have worked on the original. Rogue Synapse's Polybius is a 2D shooter resembling Star Castle if you're familiar with that game. To complete the illusion, Rogue Synapse's owner, Dr. Evil, I mean Dr. Eastel Vance, <laughs> founded a Texas-based corporation bearing the name Zinislosion in 2007. He transferred to it the Rogue Synapse trademark and a newly registered trademark on Polybius. The author does not make any claim that his version of Polybius is the authentic original, stating clearly on its page that it is an, quote, attempt to recreate the Polybius game as it might have existed in 1981, end quote. In 2016, Llamasoft announced a game called Polybius for the PlayStation 4 with support for the PlayStation VR. Polybius was added on the PlayStation Store on Tuesday, May 9th, 2017. In early marketing, co-author Jeff Minter claimed to have been permitted to play the original Polybius arcade machine in a warehouse in Basingstoke, England. He later acknowledged that the game was inspired by the urban legend, but does not attempt to reproduce its alleged gameplay. So that's interesting. You would think you would want to, if you could, just make a copy. I, I guess, you know, there if there's no record of it and there's no copyright, you could make it exactly the same and mm -hmm. it would not be in violation of copyright laws. Right, right. You want to tell us about pop culture? Sure, I'll just list off some examples of where it's been featured. So, the 2006 episode of The Simpsons, Please Homer Don't Hammer Em, features an arcade with a Polybius game machine. Rocket Jump's 2015 anthology series, Dimension 404, features an episode based on the Polybius urban legend. Nine Inch Nails' music video for their 2017 singles, Less Than, features visuals from a Polybius video game throughout. The game visuals featured in the video are designed by Lamasoft's Jeff Minter. Polybius was also featured in the episode Journey into Mystery of the 2021 Disney Plus series Loki, which is set in the Marvel Cinematic Universe. The 2015 novel Armada by Ernest Klein was heavily based on Polybius and similar urban legends. Polybius serves as the subject of a five-episode horror miniseries within the 2017 season of The Angry Video Game Nerd by James Rolfe, in which a supposedly real Polybius cabinet traps the nerd within an arcade cabinet reseller's storeroom and forces him to play and experience its psychological effects. PRX's Radiotopia featured a pseudo-documentary series about the game and surrounding mythology titled The Polybius Conspiracy in Fall 2017. The series, produced by John Frechette and Todd Ludo, was originally distributed as part of PRX's showcase program before being released as its own standalone series. Musician Neil Chichiriga, I think, has stated that his song Cabinet Man was slightly inspired by Polybius. And finally, YouTube personality Stuart Ashen released the film Ashens and the Polybius Heist in which he attempts to track down the cabinet. That sounds cool. I'll have to check that one out. So what are your final thoughts? Real, fake, unknown? I think it's I think it's plausible. Mm -hmm. I think it's plausible, and the fact that it's plausible is part of why it's caught on so much. Mm -hmm. I don't doubt for a moment that this kind of thing has really happened. Um, I just don't know for sure that it was a cabinet called Polybius. Mm -hmm. I mean, and you don't have to have any kind of copyright to write copyright on something. 
Yeah, that's true. I mean, I, I can just print it. I mean, I could make, I mean, I'm not trying to be a jerk. I'm saying, like, I can, you know, get into Inkscape or, you know, Adobe Illustrator or whatever and create a fake uh, side art panel for something and just put copyright on it yeah. to make it look more legit. Yeah. And if there's only a couple examples of that thing out there, then, you know, who who's going to know anything about it? True. So the fact that, you know, people are saying, well, there's no copyright for it. It's like, that doesn't really mean anything. I don't think the government is going to be like, oh, we have to make sure to copyright our secret psychological experiment. <laughs> right. Right. <laughs> that we're only going to have out for like a month. Right. It's, it's comparable, though, to these companies in general, but namely pharmaceutical companies getting a copyright for viruses, right? Like, why do they get a copyright for a virus? Right. But that's neither here nor there. That'll be another episode at some point. But yeah, I, it's definitely plausible. I mean, it's it's had to have happened at some point because everything is about getting information or in this case, possibly experimenting as what you can do to get people addicted to video games. It doesn't necessarily have to be, you know, the government and men in black and all that. It could be one of the early arcade game manufacturers, Sega, Atari, something like that, just putting that cabinet out in certain places and saying, hmm, I find when we give a bonus life at the end of uh, stage two, people tend to play, you know, 10 more quarters. Whereas if we don't mm. give the bonus life, they just quit. And experiments in that fashion, as far as what can we do to make people sit and play these games all day long. Yeah. So I think that's more plausible than saying that the government's using it to collect information. But that being mm -hmm. said, that could very well be the case too. In my yeah, opinion. I think, yeah, I think it's plausible the government was trying to figure out is there some way to subliminally influence people who are interacting with this thing? Because mm -hmm. at that point, you wouldn't be sitting in front of a computer. Uh, you might be in front of a TV, but it's not an interactive experience. They can't sort of do something and then see what you do in response to it through right. through a single device. Right. Um, whereas now, it would be very easy to do something like that remotely. Mm -hmm. You know, you would just, I mean, and, and the way they would probably do it really would be, there might be some electronic data collection, but, you know, the computing hardware back then was so limited, mm -hmm. it'd be more likely that they would just observe you physically, I think, just yeah. based on what I've seen about other government experiments. Like, there's usually somebody nearby who's watching you. Right. When there's something like this going on. Yeah. And, uh... Yeah, I mean, I think it's less about just, just information in general, like getting information on people. Because the whole point of getting information is that we now have the technology to do something useful with it. Right, to target people. Right. When I was in grad school, uh, I had a class where we would use Twitter. They're showing us how this works. We would use Twitter. You can basically just collect data from Twitter. Mm -hmm. You can just use certain software and data, you know, and, and Twitter has these plugins that are meant for like marketing and research purposes and mm -hmm. to see what, you know, kind of take the temperature of what people are talking about. 
where you can just say, give me every tweet with these like tags or that are mentioning this, these words or whatever for, Mm -hmm. you know, whatever period of time you just let the thing run and do its, just do its job. And then you can use software to plot graphically, you know, what these groups of people look like. Mm -hmm. So you can see like, here's a single point and here's all these nodes out from it. And when you start to look at the interactions, the reason it looks like that is there's, it's like a company in the middle sending out a blast. And people are reacting to it. And then this one looks different because it's a bunch of people talking to each other and interacting with each other, but there's no central person. And then you can see this other one. There's kind of like a group leader mm-hmm. who's talking the most and initiating the discussions. And it's kind of creepy. But the point of doing something like that would be to like gauge public sentiment. Mm-hmm. You know, like we had used it to look at political campaigns. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like, okay, this guy's is like, everybody's talking about the same things, mm-hmm. but on this one, we can see there are multiple distinct groups that are arranged differently. So we could tell immediately guy. Number one is going to win. Yeah. Cause his whole support base is they're all on board with the same thing. They're all interacting with each other. They're coordinated. This other guy, there are like four or five main issues. We can see that they're all talking about them. There's no like central figure that they're all kind of taking their cues from. You know, it's really, really interesting the things you can do with data. And it's really, really scary Mm -hmm. to think that through data collection, you would be able to target. um, I don't want to say influencer because that has a connotation now. Mm -hmm. It means like a 20 year old shaking her ass on TikTok. Right. But a real influencer is like the person that that tweets something or sends something out and people actually listen. They care what they have to say. Like it Mm -hmm. actually has an influence. It's not just, you know, somebody that people like to watch because it makes them feel superior, which is what most reality TV is. True. It's, uh, but yeah, when you can do that, you know, and it's a good like marketing tactic too. Mm -hmm. If you figure out like if you're, I knew a guy who owned a restaurant years ago and he said that one of the things they would do is like watch to see these like big groups of friends that would come in, figure out kind of who is the, the, head of this group like who's the one that brought them all there right and make sure when that person leaves you give her uh, a coupon or something yeah because if she comes back she's bringing that group with her smart and to be able to do that on a, lo- a massive scale is scary and actually i think as a response to this twitter well i know that twitter is doing this i don't know if it's directly a response to this kind of data collection specifically but they have greatly limited the way that you can plug in and the way that you can collect data, like it's mm-hmm. really, really limited how much you can get out. You could not just have computers sitting there constantly just recording everything that's coming through and plotting it like that. So I don't know. You, you think that there's not a sophisticated enough software or something that could literally, I mean, they just check for algorithms, right? If there was a software sophisticated enough to like, stop monitoring and then start again, like start a new session or whatever it needs to do to get around these limitations. It, uh-huh. it would likely not be in the hands of like a private individual. Gotcha. Well, that makes sense. I don't know. I don't know what to think. Um, it, it's just a cool story and it's very interesting and it kind of makes you think uh, about where we're at now and if mm-hmm. you believe that this was happening in, you know, the early 80s, then what the heck is going on now? 
Right. And to me, the, the reason I'm going down this is like, this is what we're doing now with data. Mm-hmm. Like at this point, what they were probably doing, because they didn't have a good way of using data like that, is they were, if they were doing this, if this is real, they were probably just seeing what kind of, you know, I mean, what it looks like on its surface, what kind of psychological or physical responses you can cause mm-hmm. through interacting with an electronic device. Yeah. Like, it's just straight up, you're the guinea pig. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're going to see if we flash these lights at you and make these noises, if we can, you know, cause you to become addicted, if we can cause you to have, like, uh, a, hallu- a, hallu- a hallu- What the hell is happening <laughs> to me? A hallucination or uh, insomnia or, you know, what, what night or terrors or whatever else it says. Yeah. Yeah, to become, yeah, emotionally unstable or, or whatever. This is what we see a lot of modern games accused of as far as desensitizing people to violence and inciting violence because what you're experiencing when you're playing a game is so realistic that if you like if if you're used to playing a first person shooter game it's so realistic that if you go out and actually do it this game will have helped you be a more uh, competent marksman uh, it would give you some ideas of strategy to uh, avoid police or invade a building or something like that and yeah. this could have been kind of the beginning for all of that so I don't know yeah. but that's really all I've got you got anything else you want to tell us about Polybius nope no, I think it's totally plausible. I would love to know if anybody out there knows anything about it or has possibly ever seen one or something like that. I, you know, just if we have any uh, listeners that were in that area at that time, let us know. How much would a Polybius cabinet be worth? Because of the lore around it, probably hundreds of thousands. Yeah. If not millions. Yeah. It just depends how many people want to be able to be the one Mm -hmm. to be like I have it I have it this thing we've been talking about for 20 something years a a big banana sold as as art for a couple million or something like a banana smashed on a wall yeah yeah I think it was like duct tape to a wall yeah I mean people I don't know man people spend money on a lot of stuff that doesn't (laughs) make any sense they do I mean this one though kind of makes sense like right yeah yeah it's it's a almost a mythological mm-hmm. object. No, I would buy it if I had you know disposable income and <laughs> wanted to, I don't know, purchase something cool. I would buy yeah. it and induce night terrors in your in your children. <laughs> yeah. No, but I would I would buy it. That would be when fun. they're when they're bad. You punish them by no. You go downstairs and play video games. That's right. <laughs> All right. Thanks for listening to Cryptique. Don't forget to like, subscribe, follow, and send us case suggestions at crypticpodcast at gmail.com. Don't forget to check out Movie Howl and Exploring Evil and have a great night. Good evening, Crypt Keepers.
Most astronomers believe the universe began in a Big Bang. Are you ready? Are you ready? Boom, 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 boom. How you like that? Like that? Like that? Pretty intense. Pretty intense. Pretty intense.